you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to direct you some, to some thoughts that the Holy Spirit has given me today. And the thought that I want to leave with you is awakening. I want you to think for this, about this this morning. God wants to awaken all of us today to the realization that he loves us. He cares about us. But life is not about me. It's about him. And I, I pray that the awakening that this church has already awakened, the, the outreach today exceeds far more than who's, those that are seated in this building this morning. Our, ch- our children's pastor is speaking the word of God over more people than I am this morning. Our youth pastor, the walls are bulging, and I say by Christmas they will have a packed out house because there's a magnet in his life called the Holy Spirit, and he's drawing and getting the youth attention. And I want you to know something. That magnet is not only in his life, but it's in your life. And people are watching you for some reason or another. I walked into the restaurant uh, this past Tuesday to have breakfast with her granddaughter and her husband. And one of the gentlemen that has known me since my wife was in the beauty shop and cutting hair, he said, Orville, have, have you got well enough to go down to cookies so you can pick up where you left off and dance on Saturday night? I said, I've been there, but nobody wanted to dance with me. (laughs) It's a lonely life sometimes, but you bear with me. I'm coming on strong. Romans chapter 13. (laughs) Romans chapter 13. In case you don't know where Cookie's at, that's a a place you can go on Saturday night. The lights don't come on except, I think, Friday night or Saturday night. I haven't been fishing a long time. Ask Jerry and Marilyn. Jerry Jerry fishes more than I do. But uh, it's a place where people like to swing, dance, or, I mean, forget the swing. They like to dance and uh, and have a good time, and it's the world's way of of, uh, living. There's nothing wrong with dancing. I just couldn't get, ever c- convince Sherry that I was good enough to dance with her. <laughs> Romans chapter 13. I want to share verses 11 through 14 this morning. Notice the instruction. It begins like this. And do this. Do you have it on the overhead? All right. I want you to, I want you to look at this. We're gonna re- I want you to read it with me this morning. It means more many times when you read it than when I say it. So we're going to do this together today. And do this, knowing the time that now is high time to awaken out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I want you to, I want you to, I want to take a moment and dissect that. And it says, and do this. What are we, what does, is the scripture saying? Knowing the time. It's talking about time. It's awakening ourselves to realize that we're not as young as we were yesterday. And years are slipping by, and there's a lot of water that's gone under the bridge. But notice what he said. And do this, knowing the time that now is, it is high time to wake out of sleep. Let me ask you this morning, who is there that could be sitting by your side this morning? And, and I'm just going to stretch your faith. It might have followed you to the house of God if we would just have taken the interest in saying, are you going to church anywhere Sunday? If not, we'd love to have you. We, we always have a good time. We always have something to laugh about. The cartoons are great. The inspiration is great. And the family and the food is always good. Notice he's highlighting it's time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. How many have been a Christian 50 years, at least 50 years? You would raise your hand. Let me see your hands. My, there's, there's many. How many have been a Christian 40 years? How many 30? How many 10? 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Listen to me. We're closer, we're closer to the end of time than we were when we first began. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Jesus says, let your light so shine before this world. How do we let our light shine? By talking and by acting different than the world. Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not like this world. And so, again, verse 12, the night is far spent, today is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not Ravelry, revelry, drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Verse 14, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Then I want to, if you would, would you let me just talk to you through the message today? I know not everybody likes the message. I like to pick up the message and see what this scripture says in, in layman's terminology. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14. Make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care uh, of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute, not squander these precious daylight hours for frivolous and and indulgence in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't laud and linger, waiting and until the very last minute, dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. Amen. That's not bad, is it? That's, That's layman's terminology. You know, I, 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 like, all, I like most of the uh, versions of the Bible, but now and then I just like to see what the message has to say. And I, I think it just, I just kind of think it just puts it down uh, pretty good. And Christi- let me say this this morning. Christianity is the only faith where we're invited into a personal relationship with God. Aren't you glad you're a Christian this morning? Yes. And aren't you glad that Jesus made it so, so simple for us to be? Fo- he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. We don't all use the same bait. We don't all work at the same place. We don't all do the same thing. But everybody has the ability to bait your hook with the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Jesus. And he said, I'll make you fishers of men. How many have ever gone fishing and, and the fish just didn't bite? How many have, have friends? Every time they go, they bite. Well, I've noticed people that go fishing on a on a on a continuous basis and they have a tackle box and it's filled with different kind of lures and they take different kind of bait and they try this if that doesn't work they try a different one until they finally get the attention of the fish and then they start catching fish listen to me your life is full of the abundance of bait so bait to put hook as we wake up and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us there's people that are hurting that we work with. There's people that are hurting at the filling station. There's people that are hurting at the sonic. Be, just let your light so shine. And sometimes you don't have to say, praise God, hallelujah, amen. Are you a Christian? Sometimes you can just say, are you having a good day today? Right. Right. Blankety blank, no. Well, let me tell you. Here's a, here, I have a great response when, when I see the lady that's been, her hair's been messed up. Uh, she, she's, the buttons on her blouse are, are, are torn, and you can just tell she's been torn apart. And I ask this question, are you having a good day? 
And they said, I wish I was. I said, well, let me give you my phone number, and the next time somebody picks on you, I want you to call this phone number. It'll get my wife. I've been married to her for 58 years, and she's never lost a battle yet. <laughs> and for some strange reason, the, uh, the facial uh, response changes. Listen, you have the ability. Jesus has deposited himself in us. It's time for us to awake to the fact that it's a pleasure to serve Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And he wants you to realize he's for you and not against you. So pick up that rod and reel and let's go fishing. I can't show you how to fish, but Jerry and Bill can. The Apostle Paul wrote many things, but I want to reflect on some things. The God that spoke the universe into existence is the God that we serve today. The God who gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him can have everlasting life. He loves you. He cares for you. He's paid the price for your salvation. Salvation is a gift. And he says, whosoever will may come and drink of the waters of life freely. Apostle Paul wrote in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, never lacking in the zeal. I was, I was thinking as I was preparing the message, I was thinking about the message Jerry, or, or Jared spoke to us a few months ago, a few weeks ago, on the high cost of low enthusiasm. How many remember that? How many wish you'd been here? It was an awesome message. The Apostle Paul wrote, don't be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, regardless of how long we've been following Jesus. The newness of zeal we experience in Christ when we first receive him should continue to be evident every day of our life. And I don't mind telling you there's days in my life it's not there, but I know that I can come boldly to the throne of grace, and he's always got mercy. He's always got supernatural strength to put on my life so that when I face a world, I can face a world with a smile. And if we're not experiencing that, then we need to ask ourselves, why? What's got our goat? Did you ever, have you ever met somebody? Somebody had their goat. Paul told his, told his disciple Timothy to fan the flames, the spiritual gift that God has gave him. In 2 Timothy 1.6, when the fire of God in our hearts begins to smolder, we must recognize that the key quality in our walk with, with God is missing. He said, he's given us light. Don't hide it under a bushel. Let your light so shine before this world and the joy of radiate, that radiates through your life as you, as you smile at people, as you put your arms around people is a message that can't be bought with silver and gold. We come to the house of God and we worship the Lord. We clap these string instruments and, and, and I hear this so often, oh, pastor, I'd love to sing, but I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket and I want to run and get a bucket. And I want to say, here's a bucket, but put it down. God didn't require you to sing. He said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Yes. Clap your hands, oh, you people. Shout in the voice of triumph, because we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Right. I'm going to talk to you about being passionate for Jesus. Passionate zeal is one of the most important, evident qualities of having a personal relationship with Jesus. He's good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. I'll never forget when I was 14 years of age, and, and I started to begin to get compassionate about a 13-year-old girl. And you know what? I just wanted, I could hardly wait till I had enough money to put a dollar's worth of gas in my, my Henry J so that I could drive down to the Unwin Ranch and just hang out with somebody that I was growing passionate about. 
and the growth began to grow and it began to grow and, and it began to grow and, and one day uh, uh, she responded and it was awesome because there was a zeal that comes out of a relationship and I wanted the world to know she's mine, don't look her way. We have a man that attends this church. I wish he was here this morning. Sherry put his, her arms around, her, around him one morning and said, I love you, and, he, and I will never call his name. But he said, why didn't you tell me that 40 years ago? <laughs> no, you don't, you, don't you speak his name. He's not here today. But if he was, I'd, I, would, I would let him stand, and I would say, I beat you to the draw. It's fun to be passionate. It's fun to be passionate. There are those in this building this morning, you're passionate about your job. You get there on time. You work with all your heart. Sweat flies sometimes, and, and many times you go home weary and well-doing, but you're passionate about your job. You do your very best. You want to be honored at the end of the, of the day or at the end of the week or at the end of the month with a reward called a paycheck. Well, listen to me. God has a reward for those that are faithful. He said, just be faithful. Just show up. Just be there. I was talking to a gentleman in business the other day, and and none of his hard hands are here, so I'm just going to talk about what he said to me. I was there at 8 o'clock, and and he was there, and there was no help. And about 10 after 8, I watched as one of his help punched the clock. Another one came in about 8.15, another 8.20 and 8.25. And I thought when I started in the work field in 1960, if you missed punching in before work time three times, you didn't need to punch that clock the third time. You needed to go get your check. You was no longer employed. And I said, man, what's wrong with this? And I, I, I with pride, related my story. He said, you know, I tried that, but one morning I woke up and I was the only one here. So he said, uh, I've had to readjust. Listen, God wants to help you readjust the, your life, and he wants you to know that he's passionate about you. And, and, and every day of your life, he's always there for you. He wants you to begin to depend upon him. He said, if you'll draw an eye to me, I'll draw an eye to you. And, and as we continue the journey of life, it's so easy to allow the cares of life. It's so easy to look at the so-called glamour of this world and, and challenge us with our time. And sometimes the battle to fight the good fight of faith is very, uh, very strenuous. But the Lord wants to assure you today that he'll meet you right where you're at, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're doing. And he wants you to know he will give you the strength to go through and make it through everything that you're going through. You've heard me say this many times, but if you're going through the, a valley in your life you know, and, and it seems like everything is right si- uh, upside down, if you're going through a marriage challenge and you don't know how things are going to work out, if you're going through a, a, a financial battle and you just don't know how you're going to go through, let me say this to you today, just keep going. Just keep moving. God will give you the strength. Don't buy any land. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. He didn't say while I'm in the shadow. He said while I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God, I know you're with me. If he was with David, he's with you today. 
And I'm telling you, right in the midst of your challenge, he wants to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He wants you to know he's there to anoint your head with oil and fill your cup till it runs over. And the benefits are this. Surely goodness and mercy shall chase you all the days of your life so that you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Give him praise and glory in the house today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says, when, then when, when I'm weak, remember what to do, call on him. In Philippians 4.13, we, we had a baseball coach that was a great, great, uh, uh, a great leader to our grandson. And, and both of them had Philippians 4.13 uh, written inside the, their cap. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And because of the leader did it, the ball players did it. Listen to me. When you start following Jesus, there's somebody watching you, and they're going to want what you've got because you're, what you've got is working. Listen, this is a great day for us this morning. Just say to yourself, self, wake up. The church is the biggest giant in the world today. And Jared and I have the same desire that our church family continues to reach out with love and compassion and make a difference, which you are in this community. Listen to me, church family. You are making an impact in this community, and the devil is mad, and I'm glad. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and let us not grow weary. We all get tired. We all say things and do things when we're tired. I've been as guilty as anybody, but don't grow weary and quit. Let us not grow weary while doing good. If for in due season, you're going to reap if you don't lose heart. How about this? Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we all have an opportunity. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. Listen, just get in practice of hugging everybody. Just get in practice of shaking hands with everybody. Just just, just start practicing here in church. Would that be all right? Just start practicing being good to everybody. I tell you, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Well, we can do this after we get home today. Just, just start practicing being good. It's a good place to practice. You can practice on me all you want to. Just, just hug somebody's neck. Tom, I'm going to hug your neck. Stand up, buddy. I appreciate what you're doing at the hospital. Just, just start practicing loving on people. You know what? Love covers multitudes of sins. I'm telling you, when you love on people, even if you've had a hamburger with onions, they'll start forgetting why they were mad at you. And it's a good place to practice. When you leave the, the, the house of God, you'll be in practice, and it won't be hard for you to shake somebody's hand or hug their neck out in public. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm telling you, there's so many benefits to serving the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... I saw the hands of those that have been serving the Lord for years. I, saw, I, I shook hands with a lady this morning whose daughter has gone on to be uh, in her reward, and much, she was young, much younger than me. And she said, I'll never forget your birthday. It, it was September the th 3rd, the same as my daughter, and I knew that she was in heaven today. So sometimes the day that we celebrate is a day that somebody else is not celebrating. And we never know the neck that we're hugging or the person that we're telling we love them can make a 
difference in their life. We never know when we're pouring in the healing oil from Jesus when we embrace somebody and tell them, Jesus cares. I've never worn your shoes, but I just want to tell you, God is for you and not against you. And he wants the opportunities to step in your life and make a difference. And he always makes a difference in people's life when he's invited. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, when the enemy, the enemy's a thief, he's a liar. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But notice this, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19 says, when the enemy comes in like a flood. I'd like to change that comma. My Bible, it says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood. I'd like to, say, I'd like to change that comma to say, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Like a standard. God will raise up a standard. Don't give leeway to the enemy. Don't believe him. He's a liar and the truth isn't in him. I, I just want to encourage you. Stay enthused. No matter what you're going through, just stay enthused because the joy of the Lord is your strength. In closing today, I want to take you to the book of Ecclesiastes, something that turned my heart wrong side out when I was preparing for the message this week. After King David had died, King Solomon had, had has been given the credit for writing the book of Ecclesiastes. After his dad, King David, had died, Solomon became king of Israel and reigned for 40 years. Solomon was barely in his 20s when he became king and ascended to the throne in Jerusalem. He arose to great heights of prominence and popularity and answered a prayer. God gave him a remarkable gift called wisdom that made him one of the greatest counselors not only to common men but even to kings. They would travel from far and wide because when the day that Solomon was anointed king he said Lord I don't know how to come in or go out but I'm asking you for would you give me wisdom so I know the difference between right and wrong and even though God blessed him with the wisdom that he that he used he didn't always follow the Lord among many Solomon just became a very wealthy king. He became very outstanding, known because of the wisdom that he had acknowledged. And among many notable achievements as a wise man, building the temple that was enormous, he did more than just build the temple. He was not only a good counselor, but he was something more than that. He, he not only built a temple and lined it with gold, which was a, a great success. He was not only lived in, a, in a, a palace that had never been seen before. He's, he's given the credit for writing 3,000 proverbs and more than 1,000 songs. And if you want to check me out, it's found in 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 32. And as much as we would like to remember Solomon for all his virtues, we must be aware of his vices. Lust and love of the luxury caused him to turn away from the Lord. And, and many foreign women came into his life at, to, uh, and became an idolatry life that he lived. And his rejection from the Lord's counsel brought God's chastening to his, his life. And judgment fell upon the kingdom. And soon after his death, chaos broke out. Rebellion swept the country. And division of the kingdom resulted all because of their leader's a rebellious way, even after God had blessed him. How does the book of Ecclesiastes fit into the Bible today? And then let me make one other statement. How does the book of Ecclesiastes fit into my heart today? 
This entire book is a confession of the vanity of a man's life when God is left out. Solomon the preacher, listen to me, Solomon the preacher delivers the message that life is not worth living when it's lived without God. A self-centered and worldly life is vanity, nothing under the sun. Man's natural life apart from God can can, nothing can bring the satisfaction to a man's heart when he leaves God out of his life. Never think that the Bible is written so that we as ministers can tell you how to live and how to walk and how to, to, how to bring results to your life. When the results are, if you don't live a life God has for us, you're not living. This book is written for pastors, for preachers, for evangelists, for teachers. It's written so that we can search our hearts and lives. It's written for our wives and our preacher's kids so that we can know how to live a life that pleases God. Listen, this is the news that's almost too good to be true. It's basic, B-I-B-L-E means basic instructions before leaving earth. And God wants you to know that when you apply his word, it'll be a lamp under your feet. It'll be a light to your pathway. It'll be the element that we need in our life that keeps sin out and God in. Give him praise in the house this morning. My prayer today is, Lord, awaken the spirit inside of me on the third day of September. And please, Lord, don't ever allow me to allow the fire to go to a smoldering area where my life is only smoke and no fire. Lord, allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to anoint these lips of clay each time I come to this pulpit with a challenge that life is worth living when Jesus Christ is the center of your life, but you have no life apart with Christ. Our relationship we have today should be a contagious relationship to a world that needs to be awakened. And you're here today and you realize that the fire's gone out of your relationship. Nothing breaks my heart more than meeting people that have known the ways of the Lord, allowed Jesus to become Lord of their life, and then all of a sudden the cares of life and the riches and the glamour of this world gets their attention and they begin to step to the side and they longer, no longer keep Jesus Lord of their life. It breaks my heart when people that were once passionate for each other lose their passion in their marriage. It breaks my heart to see that. But let me say this. There's a challenge always to your pastor, and that is this. Keep the fire burning, keeping Jesus Lord of your life. Don't be sidetracked with the cares of this life. Don't get so busy that you don't have to talk to Jesus and let him talk to me. Listen, this book is for all of us today. And I'm so glad that the invitation is whosoever will may come and drink of the waters of life freely. And I'd like to say to you today, realize that the fire in your relationship that Jesus has for you must be kindled every day. There's always somebody. The, the enemy will make sure that you'll meet somebody every day. If not every day, you'll meet somebody every week that wants to pour water on your fire. And you followed me this week. Let me say this. Psalms 91 has been a favorite of mine. When the storms are raging and it seems like the fire is about to go out of my life, I turn to the Psalms 91 and it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the stare of the fowl and from the noise and pestilence. He will cover me with his wings, and under those wings I will trust. Listen to me this morning. 
Don't put your trust in this world. Don't put your trust in the riches. Don't put your trust in that bank account. Don't put that, your trust in the house. I watched nor, enormous and beautiful homes in the Houston area that were totally submerged with water this past week. And I, and I heard the warning, mold is, will be in there in just a few hours. And, and please vacate that house. You can no longer live in a house that's filled with mold. And this thought came to me, and neither can I live in a house that's been festered with the high waters of life, and the mold has put my fire out. Listen to me this morning. If Solomon could lose, lose touch with the Lord, so could I. If Solomon, when he acknowledged to the Lord, I'm just a dummy. I don't know how to walk before your people. You've got to teach me how to come in and go out. I need your wisdom like I've never been needed it before. And God blessed him not only with wisdom, but he gave him wealth and riches. The palace was lined with billions of dollars in today's economy with gold. And some way, somehow, he got distracted with the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And he got so busy. He said, I, I, I planted vineyards. I planted orchards. I, I bought more farmland. He said, I, I, I had the best in everything that life had to offer. And then one day I woke up. I woke up and realized that life is just vanity and vexation. Listen to me. I don't want to stand on judgment day before the Lord. I don't want him to say, why didn't you speak uh, an awakening cry to your church family? Why didn't you tell them that there was a chance that if the enemy got an opportunity and distracted them with the cares of life, the fire could go out of their life, they could lose contact with me. And after all, I, I bled and died at Calvary so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. Daily. Daily, the routine of life is as things begin to get busier and busier and, and the things that come our way become more and more demanding. I've come to realize one thing. Life is a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. What is life? Sometimes life is filled with mystery. Sometimes life is filled with questions that we can't answer. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is standing at your heart's door knocking this morning. And he says, if you'll just open the door, I'll come in. Whatever your need may be, I'm big enough to supply that need. I'm big enough to love you through this situation. I care. I want to be a part of your life. In fact, I want all of your life. And that causes a surrender. I remember the day that the Lord knocked on my heart's door. I knew without a shadow of a doubt what he had in store, and it certainly wasn't what I had in store. I knew the ministry was ahead, and I, didn't, I just didn't want that. I wanted to surrender, but I just wanted to partially surrender. I just wanted all that God had for me, but I didn't want to give him all that I had, which wasn't much. One day I became desperate enough. I, said, I, I stepped out by faith, and I said, Lord, if you'll just clothe me and fill me with the Holy Spirit and, and, and meet my needs, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And that was a very dangerous point. And he said, good. And he took me at, his word, at my word. My life was like a roller coaster for several years. I wanted to, I wanted to be a part of God. And I wanted him to be a part of me, but I didn't want him to have all of me. I wanted to do some things. I, I loved helping Sherry's dad uh, with the cattle. I enjoyed putting up the hay. I enjoyed smelling the, the, 
fresh aroma of the the plow behind the tractor. I, I just enjoyed that. I'd never had the privilege of of, of doing the things that, that he had to offer. And and, and I I just and, and yet God was tugging at my heart, tugging at my heart, not turning loose, just continue to tug. And finally one day I became so miserable. I'll never forget the day I became so miserable, Lord. I said to the Lord, Lord, I can't live like this any longer. I, I'm going to make a total surrender, and I don't know how things are going to turn out, but you do, so I'm going to give you all of me. And at that day, the peace of God flowed through my life like it had never flowed before. And it was a peaceful moment. Things began to go better in our marriage. Things began to go better in the workplace. And even though life was still a roller coaster for me, I realized that I had surrendered to the Lord, and whatever he had for me, I would be willing to follow. There were storms, and there were, there were great challenges in that, in that day. But I'm so glad when I look back at the fact, the day that I surrendered it all for the Lord, the peace of God that transcends all understanding guards our hearts and lives. When I don't know how to, how to, how to answer, when I don't know uh, what the result is going to be, I can, I can always go to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. David says, surely goodness and mercy shall chase me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. While you're seated on that pew this morning, the Lord has his hand on every life that's represented here today. We all have different vocations. We all travel different roads, but there's only one God, and we're serving the same God. He's the God of the great I Am. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and there's nothing that gives you more confidence in knowing the day that you sold out for Jesus, you gave him everything. You're no longer in control. You get out of the pilot's seat, and you get into the co-pilot seat, and he pilots my ship everywhere I go. And it's so astounding day by day as things happen and things reveal themselves, and, and I meet new people, and I see things happening, and, it, and it, it, there's an awakening that goes in my, up in my life. Lord, I'm so glad that I surrendered, and it's all in your hands. And I can cast every care I have on you because First Peter 5, 7 gives me the right to do. And he says I can do this because he cares, not because I'm perfect. Aren't you glad today for the goodness of God? I close with this remark. God's love and his provision is not based on your performance today. And everybody takes a deep breath. Take another one. Your heart will be glad for it. It's built on his provision. This morning is communion morning. And I'm going to ask his congregation to stand and before you move forward so that the elders can serve you communion today, let me just ask this question. How many are here today and the cares of life are really tugging on you and the distractions that are coming your way quite frequently and you've come to the place it's almost real easy to forget that you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but this morning you just say by an uplifted hand, Pastor, I want the fire to burn brightly in my life. I want to I I awaken from the sleep and the slumber. I don't want to go to sleep when I know that God has his hand on my family and my life, and he gives his angels charge over me in all the ways that I travel. If that's you this morning, would, could, would you raise your hand this morning and say, that's me, Pastor? 
That's me. I don't want the fire to go out of my life. I want to, I want to serve the Lord with joy and gladness. And I want to always acknowledge him in all of my ways. And he said he would direct my path. I can raise both of my hands this morning. I want in all of my ways, I want him to direct my path. As you move out and come forward this morning as we have open communion, you don't have to be a member of this church to enjoy communion. But I want you to come today if you want to be a part of us. If you don't, you can slip out quietly or you can remain where you stand. But the elders are ready to wait on you with communion this morning. And as you come today, come with a prayerful attitude. I'm going to allow the Lord to speak to my heart today. I'm going to allow him to show me the areas of my life that he wants to rekindle the fire and awaken so that I can serve the Lord with joy and gladness. Listen, friend, it's a joy to serve the Lord. It's a pleasure to serve the Lord. And when he's for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.